trying to be who he needs is not helping anything. So instead, I am going to try to start becoming who I need from myself. Trying to be his perfect wife isn't helping. And so I'm going to start trying to be my perfect self. Whether he leaves me or not, I'm stuck with me. I was realizing also at this time that he wasn't the only one who wasn't happy. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. This week on the Husband Law Podcast, we have a slightly different story of betrayal coming to you. This individual did not have a partner come out, but she has experienced betrayal on several different levels. And the thing that is interesting here is I think often we immediately go to that there was infidelity sexually, like there was some sort of sexual betrayal in all of that. But really, a lot of times betrayal comes in little steps along the way in our relationships and often in the form of self-betrayal that lead to emotional betrayal or all sorts of forms of betrayal. And so this is what we get to hear about this week. You can learn from her and see if maybe there are things you are experiencing or going through that are similar to this individual. I am very excited to have her come and fill the space. We have had so many stories of individuals coming out and navigating that as a straight partner. And so it's a beautiful gift to hear how these two situations have similar things that happen to us as we navigate marriage and the things that are hard and finding ourselves within marriage. So I'm excited to welcome Jenica to the podcast today to share her story with you. All right, Jenica, I am so excited first and foremost to be connecting with you again. You are in my group. Mm-hmm. the unicorn group before. And then you were like, all right, I'm ready to go. And so I've been seeing you for a few months. So it's exciting to see your face and chat with you. Yeah, it's really good to see you. So thank you so much for being willing to share your story. And one of the things I'm really excited about for our listeners to hear today is I know there's a lot of people who come to me and they're like, hey, my partner isn't gay. Like they haven't come out in any way, but also I'm feeling so many of the things that you're talking about, can Mm -hmm. I come to your group? And you were one of those. And I love that you found your place with us because you are a unicorn. If we go through any form of betrayal in any way, we feel like we're alone and like we're the only one going through this. And so everybody is welcome. If you feel seen and supported in our group, then we want you here. So thank you for being brave and joining us. Yeah, of course. I I was a little nervous to talk about it because of that. And like everybody comes here like, because they resonate with your story, like, mm-hmm. even though I, like, I came to you because I resonated with you, even though my co-parent is not mm-hmm. gay, but like, I resonated with so many things you said, even though I, like, even though I know that it still is a little scary to to yeah. talk about it, <laughs> to go on here and to everybody who's like, like, like I worry that people will be like, like, you don't get it. He's not gay, you know, but like, anyway. Oh, you get it. And it has the thing is like <laughs> betrayal and having somebody come out. Well, and often when somebody comes out in a relationship, there is betrayal involved. But often, like, there's the same feelings, e- whether or not they've 
betrayed us. They've still been betraying themselves, which leads to a betrayal of us, even though maybe it wasn't intentional or feel as intentional as what Mm -hmm. you have experienced. So you do belong here. Nobody's going to say you don't because uh, it's my podcast and I say you do. So So we're going to take it as that. (laughs) And I'm, I'm so happy because I do have women, not just you, who have experienced betrayal, who are in my groups. And so I want people to understand that there is a place for everybody here. If you resonate, you are welcome. Like that's our goal. Yeah. Okay, Jenica, let's start like kind of more at the beginning of your story when you met your co-parent or what that was like. And if you need to go back before that, some people are like, I need to start further back. That's fine, too. Tell me where you feel like your story starts with this. Uh, We met in high school. Um, The first time it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, It's funny because you would you might think he was gay if I started the story without telling you that he's not. Um, the first time I met him, he had locked himself in my next door neighbor's basement bathroom because she put mascara on him and he couldn't get it off. (laughs) And he was refusing to unlock the door until she provided him with sunglasses to go home. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he didn't do it willingly. She was, she ha- she's a strong personality. She's very convincing. So I came, I, I was just rolling my eyes the whole time. And I was like super, super judgy. Like um, I knew who he was because he was popular in high school. Everybody knew who he was. He came, he moved from England. And so he was, he was super, super popular in like so many circles in my high school. And so I'd heard of him like a whole bunch before I ever met him. And then I was like, okay, so the first time I meet him, he's locked in a bathroom wearing makeup. Like, and in my mind, I was like, what an attention seeking. Like (laughs) I was so judgy. Yeah. And I, I knew kind of knew of him for a couple of years after that. Um, That's when I first met him. And then a couple years later, like he was, he was, um, in my, he was kind of in the circles of my circles, if that makes sense. Uh huh. Yeah. He was connected to a lot of like my groups of friends, but um, as a very devout at the time LDS girl, um, he had a girlfriend, and I was, I was so devout <laughs> in like all of the beliefs about chastity and all of the beliefs about like you know, not dating before you're 16. I, it just added to my judgment of him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which is interesting because, um, now I'm here on this, uh, podcast about gay husbands. So so things have changed. (laughs) I, I'm not nearly as judgy as I was, but when I, yeah, when I first met him, I was, I was really on the, like, um, trying to make, myself more moral than he was if you will Mm, because I was because I was I think I felt insecure because of his confidence and so I had to make myself feel bigger Uh, yeah so what finally won you over um actually I asked I asked my friend out on a date a friend who happens to be 
bisexual and got married to a man later on. But uh, I asked this friend out on a date and he said, I can't, but I have this guy right next to me right now. Um, and I can just send him basically it was like, I'll ask him for you. Cause, cause I texted him. He's like, I have this guy right here. I'll ask him on a date for you. And I just, I, I, it was like mixed feelings because on the one hand I was really, really hardcore judging him. And on the other hand, I was like, he's really popular and cool. And like, what if I actually did get along with it? Cause especially cause this friend was like a really genuine and solid and hardcore mm-hmm. person. And I was like, okay, so if this guy's hanging out with him and thinking we might get along, maybe I ought to give him a chance. So I did. He came on the date. Um, I mean, it was, it was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't like mind blowing or anything, but we did start talking after that. And mm. I think I, I don't even have a crush on him for a really long time. It was just, we just talked and he dated all my friends for a couple of years and you know he was the cool popular kid and everybody liked him and I listened to like at least three people cry to me about him specifically and (laughs) that's all it was for a few years but we kept talking and his senior year my junior year uh we were in a musical together performing and we spent a lot of time together, but I was like completely oblivious and, you know, I don't have feelings. There's nothing. And until somebody said something about me being his, like his theater wife or something. <laughs> and I was like, like, I honestly was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then I started paying attention and started realizing like, Oh, I am a little bit attached to this guy. <laughs> and uh, there, there was like, he had, a, he had a different girlfriend at this point too. Like there wasn't like anything intentional going on. He he had another girlfriend. And then somebody told me that, I think somebody told me that she had said she was jealous of me. And I was like mm-hmm. mind blown at that. Cause I was like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> cause in my mind still nothing was happening. And then and I think for both of us, neither of us felt like anything was happening. But then senior year, my senior year came around. He, um, over that summer, like going into my senior year, we spent like every single day together and obviously realized we had feelings for each other. And then early on in my senior year, I think, or halfway through or something like that, he went on an LDS mission and then it was really, really hard on me. It was really hard on me to have him gone when I'd been with him like every single day. Yeah. And then he came home early after three months. Okay. For mental health stuff. Um, Because he was really struggling with his mental health. And he came home. And so before he left, we hadn't even, we hadn't kissed. We hadn't like, there were, we just spent every day together. That was it like and both of us were like yeah it's, it's not a thing <laughs> you know but um so he came home and it just like escalated really quickly 
we kissed and we were like, we're spending all of our time together. And we kept being like, we can't spend time together. Like, cause in our, both of our minds, we were like, you need to go back on a mission. This is the righteous thing to do. And, but then we just kept getting closer and like, we were probably dating for several months before we were dating. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And then his mom one day, uh, well, okay. So he tried a new medication and he had like passed out at church. And so I took him home and like tucked him in and <laughs> was like trying, taking care of him. And his mom walked in that day and she was like, so why don't you just date already? <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> uh uh because we're not supposed to like we've never been supposed to date ever before in, in our yeah. system like and you know she had discouraged every single girlfriend he'd had because he was he, like mm-hmm. he needed to go on a mission first etc and so there was a lot of that programming and she just said why don't you just date and we were like because we're not supposed to and she's like why you're adults you're 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 dating anyway pretty much like yeah yeah just, just try it out, see how it goes. So we did. And there was a lot of back and forth on that because even at that point, he wasn't a hundred percent sure if he wanted to marry me or if he wanted to keep exploring. And I, I think there were a lot of elements that went into it, but he ended up deciding to marry me, obviously. But like clear up until we were engaged, it kind of felt like he wasn't a hundred percent sure. He mm. kept being like, yeah, I want to get married. And then going, but wait, there's still this that I'm thinking about. And there's still this that I'm concerned about. And so, you know, as a, I was 18 at the time we were having these conversations, I was just like, in my mind, I was like, I love him and it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> um. And now looking back, I'm like, we should have had some more conversations about that because yeah. it was, it was cons- very consistent that it came yeah. up. Um, and did that continue on after you guys got married? Do you feel like that was a to consistent? An, to an extent. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we got married, there was like a specific girl oh, okay. that he had considered dating and ended up not dating. And she kept coming up which obviously was like really destabilizing for me to begin with. Um, But I think in my mind, I thought, you know, if we get to this next level of commitment, I'll feel secure. If we get to this next level of commitment, I'll feel secure. So we got engaged and I was like, I don't feel completely entirely secure, but if we get married, then I'll feel secure, you know? And then it was, okay, as soon as we have a baby, then I'll feel secure. And um, so yeah, we we got married and, and I mean he ended up convincing me to say yes because I was going to go on a mission. That was my plan the whole time. Um, okay. And he traveled home to England for a month, and you know went to see his family. And while he was there, he, um, we were talking about marriage because we'd been talking about it for months. Um, and he sent me a, an article by one of our church leaders and I read the article and the article basically said, when you have two good choices in front of you, it doesn't matter which one you choose. When you have two really positive choices to make, um, 
just go with go with the one that like speaks to you basically was what the article said it was a compilation of like stories yeah. from different people who had been making the decision of whether to get married or whether to go on a mission because apparently that's a common thing for girls you know um and so i sat there and i thought i love him i want to i want to have life with him more than i want to have this mission experience mm -hmm. and i guess i felt like if i didn't jump on it right then i wouldn't have a chance <laughs> mm. and uh you know which is maybe another sign that i wasn't as secure as i pretended but um yep yeah, so he actually skyped my dad at midnight because <laughs> different time zones <laughs> to ask for my hand in marriage and um, we got married when I was 19. So. Okay. Okay. I, one of the things that you're bringing up here that, um, I hear time and time again, and in these interviews that I've been doing, we've done a few of them here is this idea of that. I will feel blank, like whatever it is when this mm -hmm. happens, once we're married, once we have the kids, once like this happens, then it will feel like a hundred percent. Right. I won't have any hesitations. Then I will feel that. Yep. And I think it's so interesting that we put that on ourselves and that we convince ourselves of that. Um, yeah. And it was like an ongoing thing for you the whole time you guys were together. It sounds like did that. Yeah. So was that, did that continue into your marriage? Like how long yeah. were you guys married and like how long before you had kids? What tell us just like basic details of that. We were married for, well, technically we're not officially divorced yet. Yeah. Uh, so technically nine years, but we were like married, living together, considering ourselves spouses for eight. So, okay. yeah, uh, we, we have three kiddos and the first was born two years after we got married. Okay. So we, he wanted to wait. He didn't feel ready for kids. And I was chasing security in many ways. I was chasing mm -hmm. the security of my church community. Of being like, okay, I got married and had kids, check. You know, there's the righteous thing on my on my rap sheet. So I have like, you know, heaven points if you <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was feeling the pressure. I don't I don't know if everybody experiences this in religion, but for me, as soon as I got married, it felt like every single gospel lesson I listened to, every single meeting that I went to, every single like every single scripture that I read was about righteous motherhood. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I have to, I don't have like time. I'm, I don't have time. And it, as a 19 year old kid thinking you don't have time, it's kind of crazy, but I didn't. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm, my mom had babies every two years for my entire childhood. And so in my head, I was like, oh, this is what I was supposed to do. This is what my mom did. This is what I need to do. And the fact that, I mean, she, my mom had her first baby right after she and my dad got married, like 10 months later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so in my mind, I was like, I'm behind, I've fallen behind. I'm not, I can't keep up if I don't get moving, you know, like I need to be a righteous mother. <laughs> and that was like a huge, huge th thing. Plus also just being baby hungry. I grew up with babies every two years. 
I was so ready. I was so ready to snuggle my own baby and nibble my own baby toes. Like I was so ready. And uh, my co-parent on the other hand felt really, really rushed and pressured. And I didn't realize that he was feeling that way, but it definitely added to that dynamic of me feeling insecure, me feeling like wondering if I was truly his chosen partner because he was feeling like, oh my gosh, like, cause if he said no, then, then he's like getting in the way of me making this, this like positive choice of motherhood. And if he says yes, then he's like, I don't feel ready. That's a self-betrayal for him. So basically he said, let's wait a year and talk about it again. And so we did, we waited a year. We talked about it again. After a year, I brought it up again. And I was like, can we talk about this? And he was like, I don't know. Like he, he wasn't sure. And more or less, I started praying for it. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a little bit embarrassed, embarrassed or ashamed at this point that I, that I did that because it was like out loud when we prayed together in the evening, like, like the amount of pressure that he would have felt from that. And like, I was not intentionally being manipulative. Yeah, like a subconscious manipulation. Right. Like it in wasn't hindsight, your intention, but it was what you wanted. Yeah. In hindsight, I was like, okay, God will convince him. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and he ended up saying, okay, I don't want to try for a baby, but we can stop not trying. <laughs> um, and so... I, I was pregnant like five months after that conversation. So at what point did you know something was like wrong or the betrayal came into the picture? Like do you re- when was disclosure day? Like what was that process like for you? Um, and honestly, I think it was like little by little. It was really gradual. I think um, I, I know because we've talked about it since, but for him, it started with, with, with having kids before he was ready. It was like a, that was a mini betrayal for him, you know? So he self betrayed and, and it led mm-hmm. to yeah. your guys' marriage. And he felt betrayed by me. He felt like mm. I stopped seeing him as a person and that I started seeing him as like my source of sperm <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I wanted a baby so badly. And that's um, the story he was telling himself mm-hmm. on the other side of your story. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it started with that, but it was really, really gradual. I mean, like that was a year in. Yeah. And we were married for seven more years. And so yeah. it wasn't like he was just like, well, I didn't want this baby. See ya. You know? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I there was a lot of like little things that changed through the years. Um but I became aware of it, I want to say like four years ago now. It's about five years ago. No, in. three years ago. It was, I think it was 2021. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It was 2021 because I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know exactly the dates, but. No, that's fine. You don't need to. <laughs> uh, he had been struggling and he'd been telling me this for years off and on for years that he felt trapped that he felt this feeling of like like that he couldn't be who he truly was that he couldn't express himself that he couldn't you know and I was like this isn't my fault because I love him 
Like all I want is to see his true expression. Like that is what I desire from this relationship here. Like all I want is to discover more and deeper things about him. So clearly it's not me. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) this isn't my fault. And I just kind of like dismissed it and was like, well, I love you. Um, and we never really actually like talked about things that had happened that, that would cause that kind of feeling and that kind of disconnect between us. Um, so that conversation kind of been happening off and on for years. And then three ish years ago, he came to me and he said that he wanted, uh, to separate romantically. And he said, like, I don't want to move out. I don't, I like, I don't, I'm not hoping to get divorced. I just need like time to myself. And because he just, he's like, I just need time to explore myself and explore how I'm feeling and figure out what, like, you know, it's been messing with me for years. I don't know what's going on. I just need this distance. Need some um, time. Yeah. And that was rough. Um, that happened yeah. uh, five days before my brother's wedding. <laughs> and I was taking their engagement photos like the day after this happened. And so I was taking their photos. I'm like, you guys are adorable. And internally I'm like, love is a joke. Like this is pathetic. Like, and I was mad (laughs) at my brother. I was like, you better not break her heart. I was just like pissed at him for no reason. Like he's not going to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's head over heels. He's all in, you know? Yeah. Like I was feeling this, like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. my husband's not all in. And just every single male who was in a relationship, I was like, you better not. Like, <laughs> but I was, I just had so much bitterness and so much upset. Um, and my, my littlest was just barely talking at this point. And uh, she was still uh, breastfeeding. I nurse her to sleep at night. And so like two days after this happened, this conversation happened and I had just been giving him like so much distance. I was trying so hard to be respectful. I was trying so hard to like give him all the grace and all the space he needed thinking like, okay, if I give him all the space, then give him exactly what he's asking for. Like it, it has to work out. It has to be fine. Right. Give him exactly what he wants. Exactly. What he's looking for. Everything will be fine. And, but like two days in, um, so we would, we would put the kids to bed together and then I would stay and nurse the baby and put her down. And up until this point, our routine had been, he would kiss me before he left the room. Hmm. And my little, probably one-year-old, uh, just, just barely talking. Um, he was leaving the room this, this night and he, she grabbed his shirt she was nursing. She was, she, she reached up and she grabbed him and she looked up at him and she said, dad, hug mom. (laughs) And he did, he hugged me and then he left the room and I just sat while she was falling asleep and cried, just sat there and cried and cried and cried. And it was that day or a day soon after that for me, the first betrayal from him happened and it was that he was on an online chat which he um he's musical and he would get on vr chat and he would 
just to play his instruments online for people. And the idea was that he just liked to get out into the world and connect. Yeah. Um, and this has, this has started in 2020 when we, we weren't getting connected connection. Mm-hmm. And so like a couple nights a week yeah. or, or every night a week, <laughs> he would, he would get on there and he'd play instruments and he'd have, you know, people virtually being like sitting around the campfire type of, you know, virtual feel. And I loved that. I thought it was excellent. I'm like, that's a great yeah, way to cool. like, that's a great way to connect. It's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would sit in the other room and read a book or something and I would listen to him play and it yeah. was um, but this particular night I heard him talking to someone about our marriage mm. and it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was like saying anything that was my personal stuff or like anything, but he was talking about some of his emotions that he hadn't shared with me. And I was like, how on earth is our marriage supposed to recover if you're talking to some random person on the internet and not your wife? Yeah. And so like, that was huge for me. And he, he came in to the room after that. And I said, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but why are you talking to other people about this and not me? Like, yeah. If you're trying to repair whatever is between us, why are you going somewhere else? And it came out eventually, like it stemmed from that conversation, but this didn't happen in this conversation. It was several conversations later. He said, I, I think subconsciously I have been searching for an emotional affair. I've been looking for an emotional affair, trying to find a place to connect that feels less threatening than all of the pain I feel in this marriage, right? And so I, at this point, was completely and entirely blaming myself. Yeah. I was like, I'm not a safe place for my husband. What did I do? And so I spent the next year and a half trying to fix all of the things that I had done wrong to cause this, you know? And I kind of, I started like becoming more internal and I started like, I wasn't handling things as well. I wasn't as present with my kids. I wasn't keeping my house clean because I feel like I was just trying to make myself small so that I wouldn't get in his way. It's like, if I don't get in his way and he can get all the healing he needs, he won't, he won't leave me. Like, you know, trying to just present all of the best pieces of myself. And all the pieces that I thought would fill the needs that he was lacking. Yeah. Um, and after I started working with you, you called it perfect wife syndrome. Yeah, and perfect partner when, syndrome, man. Yep. <laughs> yep. And the, you, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yep. Like, that's what I was doing for this, for mm-hmm. these, this year, these years. Um, and, and uh, yeah. So we spent several months um, separated, but we had some really, really good and helpful and difficult conversations during that time that helped us kind of connect again. And it felt like things were going to be on the up, you know? Um, and so uh, 2022, beginning of 2022, he said he wanted to give himself a certain amount of months and the amount of months had ended. And I said, okay, so where are we at? And he said, uh, I guess we're married. 
And that was like the whole conversation. He didn't talk about like where he was emotionally. Mm -hmm. And like, I could tell with this conversation that he wasn't like, I feel better. Like I'm all in. It was like, I don't know what else to do. Like I've had my time and now like, you know, and, but I was just like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe the perfect wife thing is working (laughs) for me. Like, and so I just kind of tentatively was like, okay, like trying to put myself back in the marriage, trying to get like, you know, and uh, a few months later, he had another big mental health breakdown. And he was like, it's not fixed. Whatever it is, it's not fixed. I haven't figured it out. And, you know, I was in therapy. He was in therapy. I wanted to go to therapy with him. And he was saying that he wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere like somewhere in the middle of 2022-ish, I decided, well, trying to be who he needs is not helping anything. So instead, I am going to try to start becoming who I need from myself. Trying to be his perfect wife isn't helping. And so I'm going to start trying to be my perfect self. It was kind of this perspective of like, well, whether he leaves me or not, I'm stuck with me. And I was realizing also at this time that he wasn't the only one who wasn't happy. Like, yeah, I remember very clearly one time sitting at the top of the stairs and just, we had these windows that were like up high that were just like, just to let light in. And I was staring out those windows, looking at the clouds and just thinking, like just silently crying, just tears coming down my face, just thinking, I really wish I could just drive away. (laughs) Just like get get in my car and just drive until I run out of gas and then get more gas and keep driving and just end up wherever I end up and start again. (laughs) But I was a mom and I can't do that. You know, that's not an option. But I remember sitting there thinking, like, like if I love this person so much, why am I miserable right now? Mm, you know? Yep. And at the time, I thought, well, this is my fault because I haven't properly connected with myself or I haven't, you know, whatever explanation yeah. I gave it. Like, like, for some reason, like, I blamed my insecurity on, entirely on myself. Um, and the fact that I didn't feel like he wanted to be there and the fact that I didn't feel like, like, like that I was secure and et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, well, this is my problem. Just more therapy. Like, <laughs> but I remember sitting there and staring out that window and crying and thinking, what if I left him? Because I was so sad. I was just so like lonely and I felt so alone. And so, and it's not that like he, he's a helpful dad. Like he would come home from work and he'd play with the kids and he'd tidy up with them and he'd do the dishes and he, you know, like it wasn't like I was alone in like carrying the load per se, but I was alone in carrying a different kind of load. Um, Like he helped around the house, but emotionally I felt alone and alone or and lonely and abandoned and he was doing all this work to like better himself and I mean I think in my mind I felt like like I'm 
I must be like not doing enough, not growing enough, not learning enough. Like I, I have to keep up with him. I have to keep up with all of this therapy he's doing. I have to keep up with all of this like growth that he's experiencing. Um, but yeah, there was this shift after, after this moment sitting in the stairwell. Um, and I decided like, I don't know if it was necessarily a decision that I made consciously. It wasn't like a, Oh, I am going to do this now. But like in hindsight, I'm like, okay, I shifted like my, per- my perspective yeah, and my, my intention shifted at that point. Um, and I started doing it for me and I started doing it because I wanted to grow um, and not because I wanted him to take me back, accept me. You know, I, I, I stopped chasing that feeling of security and I started chasing like my own security and growth within myself, you know? I was going to say, it's that moment when you actually get real security because you're finding the security in you, like you just said, yeah. you're connecting back to you. And so you get to have yeah. what's real security because you don't need it from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And there was at this point, I was chasing this sense of security for me. I started chasing the, the healing and the growth for myself. And I, for a little while, it really, really improved things because he could feel that. Like, yeah. And it wasn't something that we necessarily talked about. It just kind of changed how we were relating Uh to each other. And then he went with his family again, back to England to see, um, to see the rest of his family that he hadn't seen for a while. And he was gone for a month. And like, initially I was like, let's, let's take our kids. Like they haven't seen your birthplace. Like let's all, I haven't seen his birthplace. That's a that's a whole little thing that I had to grieve on my own. I was like, oh, I never went with him. I would never went with him to yeah. England, you know. Yeah, but, that vision um, of thought you, what you thought you would have. Yeah, yeah, that image in my head of walking through his hometown, uh, just holding hands and listening to him tell me about his childhood there. Like that was a dream of mine. Yeah, but we didn't have time to get the kids' passports in time for them to go. And I didn't feel comfortable leaving my very little kids for a month. Like I didn't know how that would land for them. I didn't know how that would, you know, and in a way it's kind of ironic now because I'm like, okay, let's just traumatize them a different way. (laughs) Let's get divorced. But (laughs) no, it's okay. But um... (laughs) (laughs) we got to laugh about these things. Like sometimes it's just (laughs) what we do. Sometimes it's laughter or homicide. <laughs> but um, for, for legal purposes, that is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> we know, we know. Um, but yeah, uh, we, I ended up, we ended up just sending him with his family because the, the uh, hurdles of trying to get kids passports and trying to renew my passport and trying to like in time to be able to get there with his family was not doable. Yeah. Um, so he went for a month and during that month, um, there was a moment when I made, I like renewed my commitment to myself, but mm-hmm. I was going to, uh, like having some distance from him, I think helped me to mm-hmm. like clue into me. Like yeah. I'm not like, cause I, every day I had been with him. And so I'm like, I'm aware of 
of kind of where he is. I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about his emotional state. I'm thinking about his journey. And when he was like on another continent and I can only talk to him a couple times a day because of time zones and internet or whatever, yeah. it was like, I kind of connected back with myself and was like, okay, so what do I want from this? But how am I wanting things to go? And I mean, I didn't want, I, I decided I didn't want to leave him, but I wanted to, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to chase like my most whole ending, if you will. Cause I had yeah. a perfect ending in my head, my own perfect happy ending in my head that like, this is what I wanted. And so while he was gone, I, there was a moment when I made this commitment to myself that I, what I want is my most whole and most complete self in the end of this. And I will, I, I made the commitment to me that I would let go of what I needed to let go of in order to get there, even if it sucked. Yeah. And he got home from England and it was like a week later that he decided to move out. <laughs> and so it, like a lot of it felt to me like, oh, so I committed to myself and that means I lose my husband. Cool. Mm. Cool. Cool. <laughs> like, there was a lot of bitterness for a long time, but, um, do you still connect those two? Do you still feel like that commitment to yourself ended your marriage or have you been able to release that connection? Yeah, no, I don't think that anymore. Good. I think, because I think if someone is truly your partner and truly connected to you at a soul level, then committing to yourself only strengthens their ability to commit to you. 100%. And so, I posted something recently, Jenica, and I feel like, maybe you and I talked about it. I can't remember. It's been in the last, I don't know, six months about the idea that if you can love somebody this much who made you feel yeah. the way you feel and like you couldn't be yourself and you couldn't be truly happy, think about what it's going to be like to find that person who does love you the way you deserve yeah. to be loved and your love them yeah. back and like what that transformation is going to feel like. And that was one of our big consistent conversations was like, he brought it up many times. He said, like, maybe the way I love and the way you love just don't match. Like maybe yeah. the way, the way I want to be loved isn't the way you naturally love someone. Like mm -hmm. to me, like Jenica's way of loving someone is not what co-parent that what, what my partner needed. Yeah. And he, he brought that up a couple of times and I was like, nope, you know, like I was fully in denial. Like that can't be it. Like we can figure it out. We can, we can learn, we can, we can figure out ways to make it work. But um, I think the realization we had after he came home from his trip was like we were sitting together and we were discussing like ways we were growing. And I mean, at this point I had made this commitment to myself and I was like, okay, I deserve somebody who is all in. I deserve someone who wants to be here. I deserve to be in a partnership that is solid and growing and like exploring ourselves together and connecting in this way. And so I went to him and I said, okay, this limbo state, I'm done. We yeah. either, we either come out of the limbo and start going to therapy or we start considering what our, what our other options are. Basically yeah. I told him, I, I need to start working with you for our marriage, fighting for our marriage together or something else has to shift because I can't do yeah. this anymore. I can't do this limbo state of sitting here and waiting for you and trying to be your perfect wife and trying to be on the sidelines while you have your journey. Like I'm ready yeah. to move forward. 
And he agreed to go to therapy with me. And then that evening we continued that conversation. And um, we, we were talking and talking for hours. It was a really good conversation. And we were feeling like so, so unified. We were feeling so together in this moment. And I said, I deserve someone who is 100% all in on me. Yep. And he said, he stopped, he paused and he like kind of stared at the ceiling and he said, yeah, you do. I think I need to move out. Mm. And I mean, on the one hand, I was crushed and terrified. Yeah. But on the other hand, we were in this room together. We were feeling really unified. We could feel this energy of like our conversation and our connection in that moment. And I knew he was right. Yeah. And so that started the whole avalanche of like, of all of what was to come, you know? Um, I mean, there, there was a lot of stuff that happened in between that time, but yeah, that's, that's the basics. (laughs) Okay. Jenica. So let's fast forward a bit to where you are today. You've been doing some work. Um, I know because you've been in my coaching groups and I know you've Mm -hmm. done some other things. How are you feeling today in where you're at and the direction you're going? I mean, you you can't just say good or bad. (laughs) Um, I mean, overall, I feel more solid and more connected with myself than I ever have. I also feel more like grief and turmoil still. Like I, I, I've come to the conclusion, conclusion that the grieving process never ends. You just Takes grow time. around it. You yeah. just, you just kind of grow around it and you figure out like how it fits in to the, to the, your new sense of self. Cause like for a long time, I tried to get back to who I was. I tried to reconnect to myself and become, you know, for some reason thinking that my old self who hasn't been through all this stuff is, is a more true version of me you know, the untraumatized version. <laughs> um, but recently I've started to, I mean, especially just through this whole process, stopped trying to get back to, to who I was and started working on just integrating everything that I have done and been through, like the love that I have felt and like, Rather than trying to get back to who I was before, trying to like sink in to who I am now and what I'm experiencing now, what I have now. And like what I do have now is a co-parent who's a good co-parent. There there was a lot of hiccups along the way, and we probably fought more (laughs) in that last year than we fought in our entire marriage. Yeah. Um, things have been said that, that we both regret, but, um, I have, I have this awesome co-parent things just keep getting better with co-parenting. He, he's found a person who he's all in on and who loves him in the way he needs to be loved. And she loves our kids and it's all good things, even though it's also painful things. 
Yeah, and we talked um, about before we started recording the idea that, you know, even though things are going the directions we want them to and we feel better and the emotional yeah. heaviness that we were really in has lifted, yeah. it's still these moments we mourn. We have yeah. to grieve, like the trip to England, like that was something you envisioned for your future and it is something mm -hmm. we mourn. And then when the divorce is finalized, it's something we mourn. And like all of those little steps along the way, but our capacity to carry them and mourn them grows. And our understanding yeah. of how we mourn grows. And when we yeah. do that, it helps things be easier along the way. Yeah. Well, and often, like there's a lot of moments when I'm in that grief moment, like every step that we have taken, I have had to like grieve all over again. Like yeah. there have been so many like, um, like the day I met his girlfriend, the yeah. whole the day before I um, cried so hard that I threw up on the floor and peed myself. Like it was, yeah. it was not glamorous, but like no. I, I, you know, I had to go through this moment of grief, even though it felt like things were going in a direction they were supposed to go. Like in a, a I don't, I don't know if supposed to. There's not like a singular like that you were ready path, for, but it was in like, your. This path. was a right. This like there were so many. I guess the cumulative conclusion was this is a positive direction, but there were many things in that positive direction that were like so hard. I did not know so if hard. I would make it through to the other side. You know, there was a conversation I had with him where I asked him about his girlfriend. I was like, okay, we need to actually talk about this because it's just an elephant in the room. And, and I was, I was like shaking, like, I could, it was like a full on body shakes. I could not stop. And then I decided, okay, I'm not going to stop myself from shaking. I am going to lean into this because this is clearly yeah. something that my body needs to move through as I have this conversation with him. Um, and there were lots of moments like that where I, it was just, okay, sinking into this like really terrifying feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, you know, the, the day I asked him about his girlfriend and we had this conversation the day I went to meet his girlfriend, the day she met the kids, like there's a lot of hard things. And then of course, every single step of the divorce, it's like, yeah. I'm grieving all over again, even though at this point I'm like, you're ready for I, the I, divorce. I look back. Usually when I think about it, when I think about it, I remember sitting at the top of the stairs yeah, looking out the window. And I think I definitely don't want to go back there. I have no desire to be back at the top of those stairs. And it's, it's like, this is just as hard in a way, only it's a hard that like, it's a progress hard. It's a, yeah, it's yes. a, okay. Like something's going to come of this. And the, the moment at the top of the staircase was like a hopelessness. It was like a, yes. like if the, if the rest of my life is this, I don't know if I want it. Yeah. You know? Uh, but like the, the, the grief that I have now is something that like, like I hate it. It's not like, and then I have a lot of moments where I'm like, this sucks and I hate it. And like, I'm mad at everything and how dare he put me through this and like, yeah. it's all his fault. <laughs> but then like what I feel now feels like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going through these waves and the waves are going to take me somewhere. And I start thinking about it that way. And I feel like, oh, I'm traveling. I'm moving somewhere. This is bringing me somewhere. Whereas the pain that I felt at the top of that staircase was the pain of just being stagnant. I guess. 
Like, I feel like I jumped out of my little stagnant puddle. <laughs> like it was so stagnant. It was, it was, it was full of moths and bugs and like nothing yeah. was growing in there. And I like jumped into this ocean and the ocean is overwhelming and terrifying. And I hate it a lot of the time. And I feel like I'm drowning a lot of the time, but it's taking me places and there's movement yeah. and there's growth and there's, you know, and it like, it feels like, like I, I'm in this ocean so that I can come to a place that I don't know, maybe I'll land in a river with, with somebody who's all in the river with me. I don't know, but you it's know, be a good place wherever you land, it's gonna wherever be I land, <laughs> I'm not going to be drowning in the ocean forever, but I don't know. It's, it's a different kind of pain 100%. and it's, it, it's not like it's a hope one or the pain. other is. Yeah. And it's not like one or the other is more or less painful necessarily. I think one of them's easier to carry. Like there's yeah. a, like kind of going back to what we, we were saying, you know, about how the emotional heaviest, it doesn't feel so hard to carry. Yeah. It's just like more moments of the grief and the heartache. Right. So. Yeah. Jenica, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story and um, for being so honest. Like it is, it's a hard thing to navigate and to work through. And I love that you own parts of it that, you know, this was my betrayal and this was his betrayal. You know, like we have parts of that. Um, doesn't mean we have to lean into perfect partner syndrome, which is what we yeah. all tend to do. We all go <laughs> there. So uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. And I know it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. All right, my friend, if you are going through betrayal in your relationship, if you are experiencing that in any form, if that is emotional betrayal, whether it's self-betrayal, maybe you've been betraying yourself, maybe your partner is betraying themselves, which is what happens when somebody is coming out. Whatever that is, if you are like, man, I need some support. I want to get through this emotional heaviness. I want to be able to feel the peace on the other side of that and the strength of growing instead of feeling stagnant. Jenica talked about at the end, that stagnant spot where you feel helpless. Like, let's get you feeling hope again. And honestly, this is where Jenica, I believe, started her journey was in the free workshop that I have happening February 21st. Registration is open. We would love to have you join us there. It is free. And of course, I will be sharing the three things that you can do to help you start moving out of betrayal, out of this emotion heaviness. And also I will be sharing ways that you can work with me moving forward. If you are wanting a herd of individuals who get it, who have been there, who have experienced something similar, these are your people and you will be able to find them through some of the programs that I will let you know about during that time. So I hope that you will join us. I hope that you will take this opportunity of this free workshop to feel seen and supported. Even if you can't continue on into another program, at least you get this one free moment that is going to help you and hopefully give you some quick wins in that evening. I am sending you love, my friend. I am cheering you on. You can head this to the show notes to register for the free workshop, or you can go to doubledlogic.com forward slash what now workshop. Take care, my friend. Sending you love.